All right, Rabbi, we'll say good morning. Let us, let us begin. Baruch Hashem, a lot, a lot to do today. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning. Sure to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei. Dr. Linda Weinberg, Sarah and Ricky Gratz, Julia, Rina, and Eve, in loving memory of their husband, Father Zayda, Dr. Paul Weinberg, Peretz, Moshe, Ben Avram, David, creation of his second yard site, to thank Ayal and Sarah Steinberg, oh, thank you, for dedicating the Shurim this month, for Shulamis Bas Susha, Adam and Yudit Ben Zev, and the Shus of all of our Tfilos being this Kabbalah, our week of learning sponsors, Avi Zeisman, in commemoration of the art site of his grandfather, Avram Ben Aaron, and Svi and Shendi Shir, in honor of the entire Kihila, Shmuel and Shira Pepper, in honor of Ari Lerner, and all that he does for the shul. Now, let's say with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today, Baruch Hashem. All right, text your friends and tell them that it's the last week of Ksuvas. What's, what's going on over here? All right, so let's, say, so let's go. Today's daf is Kof Yud, 110, and we are picking up Emir Hashem at the Mishnah, at the Mishnah on Kof Yud Ahmed Aleph. If we have actually a little bit of time today, which we definitely won't, but if we happen to have some time today, I'm going to go back and just show you an interesting insight on yesterday's daf. Oh, actually, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm sorry. We left off actually on the bottom of Kuftes in the days, the last couple of lines, the last case. A man said before he died, I want to go ahead and leave a palm tree over for my daughter. Shachiv, he died. Shavik Trey Palgi Digla. So interestingly enough, he had a bunch of palm trees in his possession. He happened to also have left behind, left behind, two palm trees that he owned in partnership with another person. So what did the Yisoyim want to do? So the Gemara said, So what's interesting, the Yisoyim, what do they want to do for their sister? What do the brothers want to do? By the way, it doesn't have to be their sister, but what do they want to do for the daughter? The father said, leave the girl over a palm tree. So the Yisoyim said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give the daughter the two half palm trees. In other words, the two palm trees that our father owned 50% in, and that'll give her the total of a palm tree. In other words, they would rather do that because obviously Rashi points out it's a bit of a headache to go ahead and own a palm tree in partnership with someone. So they wanted just to give her those two partial palm trees, and that should satisfy the obligation. So the Shaila is, do two halves make a whole? My father left his daughter a palm tree, do two halves make a whole? People do in fact call two partial palm trees a palm tree. And therefore, ultimately, again, that would be good enough for them to leave them for it. Shabbos say such a profound yisod in Avodah Hashem as well. That sometimes in order to accomplish something, you don't need to do something as a whole unit. You don't need to do something perfectly. You don't have to do something that is totally intact in order for it to matter. Like the Gemara says, Karu inchi the tray palgi dikli dikla. Sometimes a half here, a half there, a little bit of good over here, a little bit of good over there, even an incomplete mitzvah here, an incomplete mitzvah there, ultimately is mitztarif, combines together to help forge a meaningful, beautiful, spiritual identity. Good. We'll say, let's go back to Kofiyot. Top of the Mishnah, top of the Daf, the Mishnah. 110a. So this is a very interesting case. So imagine for a moment, Ruvain, Ruvain takes out a loan document that he has against Shimon. 
Okay. Shimon Shimon goes ahead, Shimon goes ahead and takes out a document that shows that he that that that, that Ruvain sold him a field. Then I both say, now what's happening over here is as follows. Shimon is claiming, Ruvain, had I really owed you money, you would have never sold me a field. The fact that I owe the fact that I have a document saying that you sold me a field indicates that the loan document is forged. Take a look at the tab Rashi. So again, the borrower produced a sale document that is dated after the loan document. The loan document is either forged or already paid. Listen to this. See, what Shimon's planning is like this. If I really owed you money, if I really owed you money, then the truth is, when you were selling me the field, you would have gotten the payment and you would have said, okay, thank you. And you would have kept that payment as payment for the loan and ultimately, again, would not have given me the field. The fact that you sold me the field indicates that I didn't really owe you any money. All right, Admon Omer, Admon could say, Yomar, Ruvain, the lender slash seller, could say, Ilu hayisi chayiv l'cha, I'm sorry. So Admon Omer, I should really do this. I'm jumping the gun a little bit. Admon says, "Yachal Omer, Yachal Hushi Omer, Ilu Hayisi Chayiv Lacha." Shimon, the borrower, the borrower slash recipient of the land, the purchaser could say, "If I was true, if I truly owed you money, Ilu Hayisi Chayiv Lacha, Hayiv Lacha Lehi Parishalcha Kishamachati Liyasasoda." You should have simply kept the quote-unquote purchase funds in satisfaction of the debt when I paid you for the field. Since you didn't keep those funds, but rather you sold me the field, that indicates that what? There was no outstanding debt. The Chachamim say, It's not true. Two different transactions. And in fact, and in fact, Ruvain did something very interesting. What did Ruvain do? So Ruvain's a smart guy. See, if you think about it, by the way, it's actually Ruvain's, it's in Ruvain's best interest to go and sell Shimon a field. Why? Because listen to this. In the event that Shimon can't go ahead and pay back the debt, Ruvain knows that what? Ruvain knows that what? There's something ultimately, again, that he could seize in satisfaction of the debt. So in fact, it's a good strategic move. So we'll say fundamental back locus Admon and the Chachamim. Says the Yemar, my time in the Rabbanon, Shapir Ka'amar Admon. The truth is, Admon is advancing a pretty compelling idea. What's the Svara of the Rabbanon? To which the Gemara says, you're right. And if you live in a place, where says is actually interesting, real estate transactions took place different ways in different places. So in a place where it was common to first give money and then write the shtar. See what I both say? So sometimes, ultimately, again, you would pay first, write shtar later. So in a place where they would pay first and then write the shtar, listen to this. So in a place where they pay first and then write the shtar later, everyone agrees that, the, that Shimon's taina is a good one. If I really owed you money, then the moment I gave you the money, what should have happened? What should have happened? You would have kept that money as what? As what? Satisfaction of the debt, and you would have never given me the piece of land. That makes sense. So, keep where does the Machlokis come up? Ba'asra, 
the Kasvi Shtarabahadi Yavi, Zuzi. In a place where we'll say where it's customary to first draw the loan document and then give the money, and then pay the money. See, here's the Machlokas. Admon Savar, Admon holds, So Admon holds like this. That at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if, if the money was really going to be kept, ultimately, again, in satisfaction of the day. Actually, look at Rashi. So according to Admon, the lender, lender slash seller Ruvain, should have made his intentions explicitly clear. For Rabbanon Sarvi, the Rabbanon will say, in other words, he should have said, I'm really only selling this land in order to go ahead and have a source of repayment should Shimon the borrower not have the ability to pay. For Rabbanon Sarvi, the Rabbanon hold, Chavracha, we saw this yesterday, Chavracha, Chavre Islay, your friend has a friend, the Chavre, the Chavre Islay, and your friend of your friend has a friend. And therefore, again, if you make your intentions clear, then Halacha Lamaisa what? Halacha Lamaisa Shimon would back out of the transaction in such a situation. Good. So I will say, so it's a very interesting case. Halacha Lamaisa, how do we paskin? How do we paskin? So again, just to reframe the case. So Ruben, Ruben lends Shimon money. Shimon then says, Shimon, right? So Shimon then produces another document, a later document, that shows that he bought a field from Ruvain. And Shimon essentially says, the loan document is clearly fraudulent. Because had I really owed you money, you would have never sold me a field. Because if, again, if I had money to buy a field, then what? Then what? Then what? Then I had money to repay my debt. So it must be that the loan document is fraudulent. Admon says, no, Ruven could say, I purposely sold you a field because this way, again, in the event of default, I now know that I have a place to collect. So I'll say, how do we paskin? So the Rabban paskins in Hilchos Malva Velova, Perik Chavdalid Halacha, Halacha Yud Aleph, says this case, So I'll say, so Ram says like this, Suppose the Ramam in fact, in fact accepts the distinction of the Gemara. If we're talking about a case where ultimately again, or in a locale, where they first pay money and then go ahead and write up the Shtar, ultimately the loan document is bottle. The loan document is bottle. Because we assume that if this loan was really extant, if this was really a loan, then ultimately Ruven would have kept the purchase money in satisfaction of the debt. The fact that he did not indicates to us that the loan document, it could be void, it could be, it could be fraudulent, it could be repaid, whatever it is. The point is we don't look at the loan document as a valid transaction anymore. However, the Rambam says, if it's in a place where they first write the document and then give the money, then ultimately again, both the loan document and the transaction stand. Incredible. Good. I will say, let's go back there. Really, very interesting cases. Mishnah. Shnaim Shotziu Shtarchov Al Zeh Al Zeh. This is fascinating. It's Reuven and Shimon. Reuven has a loan document against Shimon. Shimon has a loan document against Reuven. Right? So they're both Motsi documents, one against the other. Look at Rashi. Shnaim Shotziu Shtarchov Al Zeh Al Zeh. Reuven Al Shimon Vishimon Al Reuven. Shtar Shotzi Reuven. Muktam Vishal Shimon Mo'ochar. So you actually sets this up. Ruvain's, Ruvain's loan is, is earlier. In other words, Ruvain's loan predates Shimon's loan. Right? Ruvain's loan to Shimon predates Shimon's loan to Ruvain. Good. So watch this. Admon Omer, Ilu Hayisi Chayiv Lecha, 
Kate said, So I say, so Admon says like this, Shimon could say to Ruvain, Shimon could say to Ruvain, I don't understand. Or I should say, or right, Shimon could say to Ruvain, if I really owed you money, right? Because remember, Ruvain's, right, Ruvain, Shimon, Ruvain lends money to Shimon. And then, and then Shimon has a later document that Shimon lent money to Ruvain. So Ruvain could say to Shimon, I don't understand. If I really owed you money, I'm sorry. So, right, so Shimon could say to Ruvain, if I really owed you money, then why would you borrow money from me? If I really owed you money, then why would you borrow money from me? So the Gemara says, and therefore essentially what Shimon is claiming is what? Is that the loan document that Ruben has against him is in fact a fraudulent document. So the Bacham Bacham say no. Zegov Ashtar Chovo. Zegov Ashtar Chovo. Bacham say natural. Everyone collects their own document. In other words, that Lamaisa, we don't have to learn. We're going to say, what Admon is saying is, we can't look at these documents independently. Because, because again, you have Ruvain lending Shimon money, Shimon lending Ruvain money, Shimon says, Ruvain, your document is clearly fraudulent. You clearly never lent me money. Because if you lent me money, then why would you come back and borrow money from me? It doesn't make any sense. To which the Chum say, we look at the documents independently. Independently. Good, let's go. Says the Gemara, interesting case, Itmar, Shnaim Shotzi, Shtarchov, Ze'alzeh, you have two people who say, Bryce is quoted in the same case. Ruben lends, there's a document that says that Ruben lends Shimon money, and a document that says that Shimon lent Ruben money. Rav Nachman or Rav Nachman says, Zegove Vizegove. Each of them collect their respective documents. Okay, so the Gimara says, Zegove Vizegove. Rav Sheshis Homer, Hafuchi Matarasalamali. Rav Sheshis says, Why do we need to exchange bags? So we'll say, What Rav Sheshis is essentially saying is, just let everybody keep their money. In other words, this presupposes that the amounts of the debt are equal. But Lamaise second of Shesha says there's no need for Ruvain to repay Shimon and Shimon to repay Ruvain. Everybody just keep their money. So which the Gimara says, Ella, Everyone keeps their own money. So I'll say, so now watch this. The Kuli Alma, everyone agrees in the following case. Idis, the Idis, Benonis, Ubenonis, Ziburis, Viziburis. So we'll say second wide line. So we'll say, so now again, everyone agrees, everyone agrees in the case where halacha lamaisa. Now we'll say, if you take a look like this, so they're assuming right now, if everybody has the same type of repayment, let's say, let's say everyone has the same type of land, they both have idis, high quality, or they both have benonis, middle, or they both have ziburis, inferior. So in other words, what they're saying is, if each are going to be paid in like or in kind, then Lamaisa, everyone agrees, to just let everybody keep their money. Right? There's no need to, to exchange bags, so to speak. Keep it, you wear this machlokis kebab. De iste lechad benonis u lechad ziburis. So I'll say the interesting machlokis comes up is what happens if one of the parties has benonis and one of the parties has ziburis. So watch this. So Rav Nachman Savar, Rav Nachman holds zegove vzegove. Each party pays the other. So Ruvain pays Shimon. Shimon pays Ruvain. So the Gemara says, Zegove v'zegove. Kasavar b'shalohin shaman. Now I will say, take a look at Rashi. It's actually Rashi right across. B'shalohin shaman. Rashi says, Masha'amru chachamim. Bal chov bebeinonis. Bebeinonis. Sorry. Bebeinonis bekarkos halov v'shaman. Now I will say, there's a halacha. The halacha says like this. A bal chov, a creditor. Right? When a creditor has to go ahead and repay his debt. So ultimately, again, he's obligated to pay benonis. 
right? Middle, middle property. Rebbe say, what's the Shaila? How do you assess Benonis? And there are three possibilities. Benonis could be assessed based on the property of the borrower, based on the property of the lender, or based on the, or, or what we call just a general assessment, a Welt assessment, right? A world assessment as to what's considered to be Benonis property. So both say, so now the suggesting is like this. Ruven lent Shimon money. Shimon lent Ruven money. Now, both remember again, in this price is different than in our Mishnah. Because in the Mishnah, ultimately, again, you've got Admon saying that doesn't make any sense. Because Shimon could say to Ruven, if I really owed you money, why would you go back and borrow money from me? Leaving that aside, the price seems to feel such a transaction like this could exist. The Shailin now is, do they have to pay each other back? So we've got... So we've got Rav Shesha saying, no, everybody just hold on to their money. Right? Rabbanon saying, no, everybody has to pay each other back. You want us qualifying the statement. When they each have the same type of property, okay, everybody could just keep what they have. Where does the Shaila come up? When they have different types of property. So watch this, Rav says. So Rav Nachman says, So Rav Nachman says, Each party gets paid back. Kasavar b'shalohin shamin. Look at Rashi now again, right across. B'shalohin shamin. When Chazal said that a creditor gets paid back with bait on his property, we assess bait on his based on the property of the borrower. We don't, in other words, when we assess Benonis, we assess Benonis based on the properties of the borrower. So now watch this. So the Gemara says, So Asibal Ziburis Vegavile Lebenonis. Therefore, I will say ultimately again, somebody, let's say a creditor who has ultimately Ziburis, will go ahead and collect Benonis from the property. So I will say the point the Gemara is making over here is that Lamaisa, Lamaisa, because we assess repayment based on the borrower, therefore it's not considered to be a swap in kind. Because it's not, because it's not considered to be a swap, which, which makes sense. In other words, if the property valuation for Benonis is based on the borrower, it's going to be different. The Pashtos, it's going to be different for Ruvain than it is for Shimon. So therefore, again, Ruvain is going to collect from Shimon's Benonis. Shimon is going to collect from Ruvain's Benonis, and each one pays up each other. Rav Sheshes, Amar, Rav Sheshes says, Hafuchei If Ruvain owes money to Shimon, Shimon owes money to Ruvain, assuming that they owe the same amount of money to each other, Rav Sheshes says, why do we have to swap bags? Just let them each keep their own money. Kasavra b'shel kol adam hin shaman. So that was very interesting. Rav Sheshes holds that the Benonis assessment is based on a general assessment of what Benonis is. It's not a subjective. So I just want to point out something very interesting. If I have a portfolio of properties, right? And you have a portfolio of properties. So your bailonis is going to be different than my bailonis if it's subjective, right? Because remember again, what does bailonis mean? If you look at my portfolio of properties, I have great properties. I have inferior properties. My bailonis is the middle. So my middle and your middle, 9.9 out of 10 times are going to be different because real estate is just always different. So therefore, again, it's very interesting. So therefore, the Rav Nachman holds that whenever you, Reuven and Shimon, have loan documents against each other, they're always gonna have to pay each other back. We don't say everybody just keep their money, why? Because Rav Nachman holds that Benonis is based on the borrower's portfolio. 
So therefore, again, Ruve is going to have to pay his bonus. Shim's going to have to be, pay his bonus. And they're not going to be in kind. They're not going to be like items. Rav Nachman, on the, I'm sorry, Rav Sheshit on the other hand holds that no, no, no. Benonis assessment is based on an objective assessment of Benonis property. If that's the case, then when Ruvain owes Shimon money, Shimon owes Ruvain money, essentially they both be getting the same item. Therefore, just let them each keep their money and not do any kind of exchange. Incredible. So, so. So at the end of the day, ultimately the Gemara says, so so right? At the end of the day, he's still going to be taking, right? He's on Benonis. Furthermore, according to Rav Nachman, why, why, why is it set up that the Balziburis is getting paid first? Go ahead and ultimately, again, let the Balbenonis come first. Collect from the Ziburis, and then let him go back and collect it from him. Gemara just says it's just the way that the claim worked out. That one party claimed the other, one party made the claim first. So, so, still at the end of the day, when they're coming to collect, they're coming at the same time. One of them has Idis and Benonis, and one of them just has Ziburis. So Marsavra, once again, one opinion holds, Rav Nachman holds that when we assess the properties of the borrower, so I should say, when we assess Benonis, we assess it based on the borrower's property. And the other opinion, i.e. Rav Sheshas, holds that no, we take a general objective assessment. So Tanan, Rav Sheshas, let's analyze. Tucham, Tucham, say, Rav Sheshas, now going back to our Mishnah. Zeh goveh v'zeh goveh. So we'll say, back in our Mishnah, back in our Mishnah, the Chachamim disagreed with Admon. And the Chachamim said, Reuven has a loan against Shimon. Shimon has a loan against Reuven. Each of them collect their respective debts. To which the Gemara says, Tirgima Rav Nachman Aliba de Rav Sheshas, so I'll say, interestingly enough, the way Rav Nachman understood this case according to Rav Sheshas is we're talking about a situation where they both have two loans, two loans, different durations. Different durations. Rav say, take a look at Rashi. Last short line in Rashi. This is very interesting. The Gemara is suggesting that according to the Chachamim, if you were to have two debts that were exactly the same, exactly the same, even the Chachamim would agree with Admon then, that what? That what? Let everybody just keep their money. Fine. In other words, Ruvain owes Shimon $500. Shimon owes Ruvain $500. Somehow they made the debt on the same day for the same duration. Fine. Okay, keep your money. Now I will say, that's not the case in the Mishnah. The case of the Mishnah is Reuven lent Shimon money, Shimon $500 for five years. Shimon lent Reuven $500 for 10 years. Now, I both say everyone knows that in a loan, in a loan, duration makes a very big difference, right? At the end of the day, having money for a longer amount of time is a significant benefit. So therefore, I will say the Gemara suggests that's the case of the Mishnah. That's the case of the Mishnah. So the amounts may be the same. What's different? What's different? Duration, term. Term, thank you. So Yomar says, hey, Kudami, what's the case? And therefore, I will say, and that's why the Rabbanon will say, and that's why the Rabbanon will say, that halokha the loans, so to speak, 
don't cancel each other out. They both have to be repaid. Second thing, what's the case? So if you want to say that ultimately Reuven's loan to Shimon was for 10 years, Shimon's loan to Reuven was for 5 years, in this case, would Admon say, That's not necessarily true. In other words, if the durations are different, remember, Admon felt that Shimon could get out of his loan to Reuven by saying, it makes no sense. Reuven, you lent me money. Does it make sense then that you would borrow money from me? The fact that you borrowed money from me indicates that what? That you really have no existing claim. There's no loan against me. But if it's different durations, if it's different durations, then how would Shimon be able to make that claim? So it must be, it must be that what? Reuven lent Shimon money for five years. Shimon lent Reuven money for 10 years. So then ultimately, again, in that case, in that case, because the second loan has a longer term, therefore, again, Shimon can't undermine the authenticity of the debt, to which the Umar says, Umay taimed the Admon. If that's the case, then why would Admon say that Shimon has a taina against Ruvain? What are we talking about? We're talking about a case where ultimately he comes at the last day of the fifth year. We'll say, now take a, look, a quick look at Rashi. Four lines down in the wide lines, Rashi says, So we'll say this is very interesting. So rather, what's happening over here? What's happening? Ruvain's co- so Ruvain lent money to Shimon for five years. Ruvain's coming on the last day of the five years to go ahead and borrow money from Shimon. So the Gemara said, So some say, ultimately, again, it's common for a person to borrow money even for a day. Others say, no, it doesn't make any sense to do a transaction for a day. Okay? What are we talking about over here? Yisomim. Orphans. Diyasmi migva gabi advuyo domag bina minayu. They both say, because interestingly enough, when it comes to Yisomim, when it comes to Yisomim, Yisomim, orphans are only, are only able to engage in one-sided transactions. What are the one-sided transactions? Ultimately, again, they can collect, but you cannot collect from them. So the Gemara says, I vaha ze vze gova katani. I borrowed the Mishnah. talking about a case where both parties are able to collect from each other, to which the Gemara says, ze gova what it means is this party is able to collect, i.e. the Yisomim could collect. The other party is entitled to collect, but ultimately, again, they can't collect. Amarava, Shtei Tshuvas Padarava says it doesn't make sense. Two problems. Number one, Chada, Tezegova, Vezegova, Katani. Number one, the Mishnah itself says that we're talking about two parties who are able to collect from each other. Vod, Ligvinu, Aradiyasmi. Furthermore, again, go ahead and collect, right? Collect property for the Yisomim. And then you can collect it back from the Yisomim. How so? Excuse me. So we'll say, listen to this. So children, let's say there was an outstanding debt due to the estate, right? Ruben died, left behind an estate, left behind Yisomim. There's a debt due to the Yisomim. The Yisomim are able to collect their father's debts. So Yisomim A creditor against the estate then has the ability to collect that land from them. To which the Yomar says, Kasha, you can set it up that way. It's good, Kasha. 
So why don't we say like this? Maybe set it up as a case where the Yisomim have Ziburis, right? Inferior property. And the other party, the other creditor, has Idis Ubeinonis. The Azli Yasmi Gabu Beinonis. So the Yisomim as creditors are entitled to go ahead and collect Beinonis. But I will say, remember again, whenever you collect from Yisomim, you're only allowed to collect Ziburis. Ziburis. Because even if you say that we use objective assessments for in general, whenever you collect from the Yisomim, you can only collect with Ziburis. To which the Gemara says, So what says is very interesting. When do we say you can only collect from the, from the Yisomim with Ziburis? That's if you didn't seize something else. But if you seized some other form, then ultimately, again, you would be permitted to go ahead and retain it. Good. So as you can see, this devolved into a very technical and complicated situation. We began with a very simple case. What was a very simple case? Ruvain lends money to Shimon. Shimon lends money to Ruvain. So the shy is, how do we look at these two, two transactions? Admon seems to feel we, look, we, we cannot look at these transactions independently. We must look at them as one transaction. And the problem is when you look at them as one, not, not as one transaction, but we must look at them together. And the problem is when you look at them together, what's the problem? It doesn't make any sense. What doesn't make sense? Because if Shimon could come along and say, Ruvain, if you had really lent me money, then what? Then what? Why would you be borrowing from me? That doesn't make sense. So it sounds like that according to Admon, Shimon would be able to claim that the loan document that Ruben is producing is clearly fraudulent. The Chachabim say, no. The Chachabim say, no, not true. Essentially, there's no need to look at these two documents together. Each document stands on its own and no need to combine the two claims at all. Ruben pays his debt to Shimon. Shimon pays his debt to Ruben. And Shalom Aisra. How do we paskin? Shalom Aisra. So Raman paskins. Again, it's actually the same parak. So we'll say in the previous year, I quoted you from Halacha Yud Aleph. This is from Halacha Yud. Reuven and Shimon both produced loan documents against each other. Even though it looks strange that you have a loan document, Ruvain to Shimon, Shimon to, right, Shimon, Shimon back to Ruvain, Rav says it's fine. P- people engage in transactions for a whole variety of different reasons. And therefore, Halach HaLamaysa, Shimon can't claim Ruvain, your document is clearly fraudulent, because had I really borrowed money from you, you would have never borrowed money from me. Rather, both Ruvain's document is valid, Shimon's document is valid, and they both have to go ahead and pay back each other. Beautiful. They both say that is the halacha lemaisa and the takeaway. They both say now we come to another incredible sugya. Watch this. Going to open the door to another number of beautiful sugyas ahead of us as we close out the mesachta. So shalosh artzos lenisuin. There are three different lands when it comes to marriage. They both say now what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. Three lines are from the bottom in Rashi. Kimel arzos lenisuin. Shalosh arzos in Beretz Yisrael. They both say there are three. I shouldn't say lands, but three um, distinct. We'll call it areas. Three distinct areas, districts almost. Three distinct areas in Eretz Yisrael. Chalukos le'inyin isue isha, shemnasa isha ba'achas mehen, eni yachalukofa le'lech acharav me'eres al-eres. So say, now the point of this we're going to see is, there are three regions, three distinct regions in Eretz Yisrael. 
Now, what that teaches us is as follows. Well, we'll say these are the three regions in Eretz Yisrael. Right? Again, Yehuda, Eva Hayarden, Transjordanian areas, and the Galil. For lack of a better term, we'll call that the north. If you marry a woman in one of these regions, you have, a husband has no right to force her to move from one region to another region. That's the halacha, right? And now again, Rabbi say what that means is Ir is a town, Krach is a large city. We're going to see the distinction between the two. We'll see the distinction between the two. Um, here, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, last Rashi, so, we'll say, so again, you can't go ahead and force her to move from one region to another region. Rashi says, a city is larger than a town. Between a town and the city is a city has marketplaces. Right? The city we're going to see has all of the different amenities necessary for, for living. Right? And a town often doesn't. Okay. Back to Mishnah. But within one region, so let's say, for example, let's say Ruvain married Rachel. Rachel's from Yehuda. So Ruvain can't force Rachel to move from Yehuda to the Galil. But in Yehuda itself, in Yehuda itself, he could go and compel her to move from one town to another town. Or from one city to another city. Ahmed Beis. Aval, lo mi'ir lekrach, lo mi'krach Fascinating. Say, however, he cannot force her to move from, from, a, from a town to a city or from a city to a town. So I will say, see here what's happening over here? So, so halacha number one, halacha number one, is if you marry a woman from a certain region, you cannot go ahead and force her to, marry, to, to move to a different region within Eretz Yisrael. That's number one. Within one region, within one region, you can't force her to move as long as what? As long as what? It's what we'll call a parallel move. From a town to a town, city to a city. However, you cannot compel her to move from a city to a town or from a town to a city. Okay, we'll see why. So the Gemara says, Similarly, again, I will say within one region, within one region, a husband could compel upon his wife to go ahead and move from a nice place, right, from a nice house, to, uh, right, from, from, from sorry, from a compromised dwelling to a nice dwelling. But he can't compel upon her to move from a nice house to a not so nice house. Let's listen to this. The truth is, the husband can't even compel upon his wife to move from, an, from a not nice dwelling to a nice dwelling. Why? Because ultimately, again, the nice dwelling, bodek. Now, both say, we're going to see what this Lashon means. Bodek, Rashi says, Bodek is a goof. Bodek means, like, it's difficult for her. It's difficult for her. Now, we'll discuss what exactly is so difficult of moving from a not nice house to a nice house, right? We'll discuss that. So we'll say, Bishlam and Mikrach Le'ir. So we'll say, so let's go back for just a moment. Now, again, remember, Halacha one, Halacha one, can't force a woman to move from one region of Israel to another region of Israel. Halacha two is that even within the same region, you can't force a woman to move from a city to a town or from a town to a city. So Bishlam and Mikrach Le'ir, I understand why Ruben can't force Rachel to move from a city to a town to Mikrach Shrihi Kalmili, Be'er Lo Shrihi Kalmili. 
Because we'll say that's a step down in lifestyle, right? In a city, in a city, you have all the amenities of living. So Rachel got used to living in a city where she has her shopping, she has, you know, the food establishment, she has everything there. So Lamaisa, again, to force her to move to, a, to a, a town where there's nothing, I understand that's a step down in lifestyle. Ella mi'ir my time up. They will say, what's wrong with going? In other words, what, what, it sounds like a good move to move from the town to the city. Why, why can't he compel upon her to do that? Rabbi is incredible. This supports listen to this. She shivas kasha. how do we know that it's difficult for a person to live in a city? City dwelling is difficult. How do we know this? Rabbi listen to this. This is incredible. this is a wild pasuk. The pasuk in Nehemiah says that when Ezra and Nehemiah brought back the Jews from Babel Tarati, so I'll also get ready for this. No one wanted to live in Yerushalayim. No one wanted to live in Yerushalayim. Jerry's over here on Zoom. Yeah. I would give anything to switch places, right? So, right? So, so what happens? So what happens? So no one wanted to live in Yerushalayim. So what do they do? Those, the Misnadvim, so there are people who volunteered to live in Yerushalayim. And the rest of the nation gave them a bracha. Shebiwet hatzlacha. Shebiwet hatzlacha. So I will say, see, see again, Yerushalayim was a city. No one wanted to live there. No one wanted to live there. And again, the people, they got a special bracha. So I will say, by the way, j- just I'll point out, I will say, just you understand, like what a circle Cloud Yisrael has made. Right? So I will say, right? So when they come back, when they came back, right, 2,500 years ago, no one wanted to live in Yerushalayim. Now, good luck finding a piece of real estate in Yerushalayim. I want to say, if you don't hear the footsteps of Mashiach in that, you have have to have your spiritual hearing checked. It's incredible. It's incredible the times in which we live, right? You can't touch real estate in Yerushalayim. You can't. So again, no one wants to live there. No one wants to live there to the point that it's the greatest privilege in, in the world to be able to live in Yerushalayim. Just, just an, incredible cir- an incredible circle. Sometimes we, we don't appreciate, you know, we'll say, you know, I, I want to point out, like, everybody is used to talking about, like, the problems of Cloud Yisrael. Like, what's the problems? We have this problem, this problem, this problem. It's true. There are plenty of challenges. But there are also a lot of really good things, right? And a lot of really beautiful things. And to recognize and to never lose sight of the fact that we're living in just such incredible times for our nation, a resurgence of Torah, a resurgence of Eretz Yisrael, seeing Eretz Yisrael come back to life in such a dramatic way. It's absolutely... I'll just tell you something. Yeah, right, okay. There's more, there's more to talk about this. We'll, we'll get, just sometimes you see this, especially, especially in Eretz Yisrael. I'll just give you just like a little, like, hopefully you're supposed to go to Eretz Yisrael in the next couple of weeks. So just look, just curious, just like, you look at hotels, look at hotels, I say it is wild. I don't know something must be happening in the month of November, right? But 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 Lamaisa, again, it's incredible. A land that was desolate, a land that was desolate, right? A land that no one wanted, a sea that no one wanted, and now a premier destination. Incredible. Okay, in any event, we'll say I'll point out over here. So what's so bad? What's so bad about? What's so bad about city dwelling? Or the Gemara didn't the Gemara didn't tell us what the problem is. So look at Rashi. It's actually very interesting. Rashi says, "Yeshivas krachim kasha shakom is yashvin sham." 
So this I understand. Cities are congested. Cities are congested. Everyone lives there. Vedochakin, umekarvina batim zulazu. For us to listen to it, it's interesting. So I said, what's the problem with city dwelling? A lot of congestion, and everyone lives very close to each other. Right? All the houses are very close to each other. Ve'in sham avir. The air quality is not as good. Aval be'ir, rather say you live in a town, you have land. Yesh ganos upardesim smuchim abatim. So say it's the same. It's the same thing, right? City dwelling is congested. You move out to the suburbs. You move out to the town. You have a yard. You have some property. You have some space. You don't live on top of your neighbors, right? So again, it's a little bit. So I say. So again, it, it's interesting. It's interesting that the Gemara felt compelled to bring this raya from Yushaya. I when I was reading this Gemara a little bit, I felt like a little bit bad, like. It feels like an unnecessary knock on Yerushalayim, right? You always have to be careful with the covet of Eretz Yisrael. That was the hate of the Miraglim, that they took liberties with the covet of Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael has feelings. Eretz Yisrael has covet. Eretz Yisrael has dignity. And a Jew has to be careful to never say anything disparaging about Eretz Yisrael. Just found it interesting that the Gemara had to bring this in. The truth is, even without this, I would have known, everyone knows the distinction between city life and suburbia, right? Of course, everyone knows the difference. So again, in any event, I wanted to bring a biblical raya that city dwelling is challenging, and here it is. So therefore, I will say, for our purposes, therefore, now I understand. A husband can compel his wife to move from a town, from a city to a town, because if she's living in the city, she's used to all the amenities, but he also can't force her to move from a town to a city, because if she's used to living, again, a more suburban type of life, right? The more, you know, a more bucolic type of life, then Allah say he can't take her to the big city. Beautiful. Rishikunil says, so we'll say, remember again, Rishikunil says something amazing. Rishikunil Paskin, that Allah saw a husband can't even, isn't even allowed to move his wife from a nice house, can't compel her to move from a, night, from, from a, from a compromised house to a nice house. So the Gemara says, because it's Bode, my Bode, and Allah said, this is an incredible Gemara. Kiddush Shmuel, Dama Shmuel, Shinui Veses, Tchilas Cholim now, literally means any change. Any change. Rashi says, afilu litova. Any change. Now, I'll say, here they have it to be talking about change in diet. Right? A change in diet, ultimately, again, causes, causes, could cause stomach issues. So, the Gemara says, Kasab Sefer Ben Sira, says in Sefer Ben Sira, all the days of a poor person are bad. That's because an ani is always hungry. What about Shabbos and Yamtiv? What about Shabbos and Yamtiv? Right? Where Bepashtos, the Aniim have food also. That any change of diet is the beginning, ultimately, again, of, of stomach issues. Ben Sira says, let's finish this off. Ben Sira says, before we get to this, says, so therefore, it's very interesting. A husband can't compel his wife to move from a compromised house to a nice house either. Why? I will say, why? Change is difficult. Change is difficult. And I will say, we know what Rashi says? Even Latova, even good change is difficult. I will say, what an incredibly profound and affirming Gemara. Because the Gemara is saying is any type of change, even, even change that I know is good for me, even change that I know is positive for me, People don't like change. We resist change. Even when the change is objectively good, often we'll put all of our co-hosts into resisting it. I would say it's so incredibly profound. How many of us walk around life knowing, I have to change the way I do certain things. 
I have to change certain behaviors. I have to change certain attitudes. I have to change certain dispositions. I have to change certain outlooks. I have to change certain ashkalas. I have to change certain ways that I raise my family. I know changes I have to make. So why don't I make them? Why don't I make them? Because change is difficult. And even good change is difficult. And every once in a while, even it's, it's good to have a little bit of affirmation, a little bit of validation. So Chazal is telling us, yeah, even objectively good change. A husband wants his wife, honey, I, bought, I built us a beautiful new house. She says, no, I'm good. I'm good here. What? It's got all this. It has this. It has that. It's objectively a better home. So you see, at the end of the day, change is difficult. Change is difficult. And there Rabbi Shimon Amil says, he can't compel upon her to go ahead to move to the nicer house. Absolutely incredible. Ben Sira and Besira says, just continuing on this idea, Af Lelos Beshafel. Af Lelos. Even the nights of an Ani are difficult. Why? Beshafel Gagim Gago, because the Ani's roof is normally lower than the other rooftops of the house. Over Marom Harim Carmel. And his, his vineyard is often at a higher peak than everyone else. Therefore, Nimater Gagim Lagago. At night he can't sleep, or he often gets leaks, because, because his roof is lower. Everyone else is rainwater, right? I believe the technical term is sheets off, right? Is that the technical term? Right, the rainwater sheets off from, right, from, his, uh, from everyone else's roof to his rooftop. So again, he's constantly getting leaks. And at the end of the day, and I will say, when we offer Carmel Akramim, and furthermore, again, when the wind blows, when the wind blows, ultimately, again, it kicks up the dirt from everyone else's vineyard. And again, the dirt attaches itself to the highest point. The wind takes it to his vineyard. Good. We'll say, so that's the end of the sugi here. We'll say an incredible, incredible sugi. There's so much more to say. I'll just tell you very quickly. I'll just tell you very quickly. Actually, no, I'm not going to tell you very quickly. Let's go back. Again, there's, there's, a, beautiful, there's a beautiful piece on the Sefer Ben Sira, but let's, let's maybe we'll save it for the scene. Good. Mishnah. We'll say, watch this sugi. Here we go. We'll say, listen to this. So the Mishnah for now just introduced us to what a husband is permitted to compel his wife to do or not. Right? So both say, so now listen to this. So now the Mishnah says, Eretz Yisrael, Hakol, everyone could force the family unit to make Aliyah. Right? I will say, now who's everyone? Now the truth is, everyone means either husband or wife. So a husband wakes up one morning and says, we're moving to Eretz Yisrael, his wife, his family is obligated to follow. Wife wakes up one morning and says, we're moving to Eretz Yisrael, everyone is, of the household is bound by the decision of whoever wants to move to Eretz Yisrael. I will say, but the opposite is not true. In other words, let's say Ruben and Rachel are living in Eretz Yisrael. Ruben says, I want to go back. I want to go back. Ultimately, and Rachel could say no, and Ruben cannot force the family to move. I will say, it's fascinating. Everyone could force a move. Now, I will say, brother, take a look at Rashi. Adam Kofa Lalos Liashik Imob Yushaim. So good. So let's say similarly again Yushalayim. Let's say they're living in Eretz Yisrael, and now Ruben decides we're moving to Yerushalayim. He could compel upon his family to go move to Yerushalayim. Ve'ena Komotzin. But ultimately, again, once they're living in Yerushalayim, no member could compel the family to leave. Echad Ha'Anoshim ve'Echad Anoshim. And I will say, by the way, the Eretz Yisrael is the Eretz Yisrael option could be triggered by either husband or wife. Incredible, incredible sugya. We'll say, now watch this. Nasa Isha Eretz Yisrael, the Gir Eretz Yisrael. Ruben marries Rachel Eretz Yisrael. They get divorced in Eretz Yisrael. So we'll say, now we're going to get technical for just a moment. What form of currency is used for ksuba payment? No sin lemma Eretz Yisrael. He pays her in Eretz Yisrael money. 
If he married an Eretz Yisrael, but he divorced her in Kapotkia, no sin lami mos Eretz Yisrael. Ultimately, again, he pays her in Eretz Yisrael money. Okay. Nos isha be Kapotkia be Gersha Eretz Yisrael. If he married her in Kapotkia and divorced in Eretz Yisrael, no sin lami mos Eretz Yisrael. He pays her in Eretz Yisrael money. Rebbe says that doesn't seem to be a theme in all of this, so we'll have to see why he means this. Rebbe Shmuel Shmuel says no sin lami mos Kapotkia. Rebbe Shmuel seems to say no. Sounds like what he's saying is you always pay. In Kaputkia currency. But I will say, by the way, Kaputkia currency is better than Eretz Yisrael currency. At least was better than Eretz Yisrael currency. Okay. Everyone agrees. If you're married in Kaputkia, divorced in Kaputkia, no sin lamimos Kaputkia. You pair Kaputkia, Kaputkia in currency. Okay. Good. We'll see. We'll get to the currency part. So we'll say, now the Mishnah said, everyone could force the family to go up to Eretz Yisrael. What does that come to include? La suye avadim. I will say, comes to include avadim. Now, 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 what this, what this means is as follows. Rashi said, now what this means is, not that the Eved could force the family to go to Eretz Yisrael, but what it means is like this. If Reuven and Rachel own an Eved Ivri, or have an Eved Ivri, you don't really fully own an Eved Ivri. You have an Eved Ivri, right? And now Reuven and Rachel decide they're moving to Eretz Yisrael, they could force their Eved Ivri to come with them. They can force everybody to come with them. But according to the opinion that lists Avadim explicitly, so what does the Mishnah, who does the Mishnah come to include? Wow. Rebbe comes to include what? That even if they live in a beautiful home in Baltimore, and then again, Ruben and Rachel decide, right? Rachel says, we're moving to Eretz and all they can get is what? Right? The one bedroom apartment, then Allah says she could trigger the Aliyah option and now the entire family has to go. Incredible. They not, they not going to see him. But again, the, once they're in Eretz Yisrael, neither party could trigger an immediate return. Last thing, what does that come to include? This refers to an Eved Kenani. An Eved Kenani who ran away from Chutz Laaretz to Eretz Yisrael. So now what happened? So we say to the owner, we say to the owner, listen, either leave him alone and let him live here, or sell him to, either emancipate him and let him live here, or sell him to someone else who is leaving Eretz Yisrael. But if an avid Kenani runs away from Chutzar to Eretz Yisrael, there is no, obliga- is no obligation to return him back to Chutzar. It's incredible. Incredible. To which the Gemara said, "Damili, good. The Zimur should be good." So when we say everyone has the right to trigger, right, a move to Yushalayim, who does everyone include? La suye minav hayafal minav hara. Both say, "Let's say again, I have a beautiful apartment in uh, Modian, and all I can get is a uh, average apartment in Yerushalayim." Still, if one of the parties, husband or wife, wants to move to Yerushalayim, they trigger that option. May not call Motzian, but once in Yerushalayim. Neither party could trigger a move. That includes once they're in Yerushalayim, even if there's a nice apartment for them, Modian, ultimately, again, ultimately, neither party could compel the other to leave Yerushalayim. And I will say, to preserve symmetry, since the first part of the Mishnah said they can't force a move, the second part of the Mishnah also said you can't force a move. Incredible. I will say, let's go back to a little bit. Really incredible sugya. Who Omer Lalos, Vihi Omer Shalom Lalos. So we'll say, now we get into the nitty gritty over here, right? So here we go. Ruvay's married to Rachel. Ruvay says, Rachel, we're moving to Eretz Yisrael. And Rachel says, 
No, we're not. No, we're not. Common, common situation, right? If you're a house, I don't know. A common situation that that often you don't have. Agreement. I don't mean the husband or the wife, but I'm saying often could happen that husband and wife are not on the same page with these things. So what's the halacha? Kofin osalalos. Ultimately, the halacha compels upon her to follow her husband. But if not, he could divorce her and she loses her ksuva. Very dramatic. She wants to make aliyah. He says, ultimately, again, I don't want to go. What's the halacha? We force him to go. And if not, ultimately, again, he's obligated to divorce her and ultimately, again, pay her ksuva. They're in Eretz Yisrael now. He says, we're leaving. She says, I'm not leaving. Kofin osos, kofin os, I'm sorry. She says, let's leave. He says, I don't want to leave. Kofin osos, we compel upon her not to leave. Ve'im lav, she wants to leave. Ultimately, again, so he can divorce her without a ksuva. Hu omer latzeis, vi omer He says, I want to leave. She says, I don't want to leave. Kofin osos, shalom latzeis. Ultimately, again, we force her. We force her not to leave. Ve'im lav, I'm sorry. He Omeris, sorry, he wants to leave, she doesn't want to leave. We force him to remain. And if not, then ultimately again, he divorces her and ultimately gives her her ksuva. So we'll say very compelling Gemara. I just want to point out, if you look at Tosis, very, very famous Tosis. Right? Tosis says, Who Omer Lalos? You see that Tosis? Very important. Tosis writes, Eino noeg bizman hazeh. This halacha no longer applies as Tosis. We which halacha? That a husband says, a husband says, I want to go ahead and make aliyah. A wife says, I don't want to go. That what? We force her to go. And if she doesn't want to go, he could divorce her without exuba. Or vice versa. Tosa says this halacha no longer applies. Why? Because ultimately now, there's a danger to live in Eretz Yisrael. There's a danger. That I will say it's interesting. The Gemara understands the danger much more to be associated with the journey to get to Eretz Yisrael. So Tosis is also very interesting. So Tosis gives two reasons why this halacha no longer applies today. Number one, because there's sakana associated with living in Eretz Yisrael, which again, doesn't sound like it would really contemporarily, that reason would apply today, because halacha lamayse sounds to put that the danger is associated with the journey, not with the dwelling. Okay, but Rabbi Stolza says it. And number two, Rabbi Nuchayim. Rabbi Nuchayim says that there are many mitzvahs associated with living in Eretz Yisrael. Mitzvahs hatalu And people, unfortunately, are not vigilant with those mitzvahs. So because of that, Rabbi Nuchayim says, therefore the mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael today is not the same. And General Bosay, the backdrop to this, and we'll get into this tomorrow, is, is there a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael or not? Is there a mitzvah? And if there is a mitzvah, what is the nature of the mitzvah? So that we'll get into a little bit more tomorrow. I just want to point out that Tosas brings down this idea of one spouse compelling another spouse to move to Eretz Yisrael. And if the other spouse doesn't comply, right? If it's the wife, divorce, no ksuva. Husband, divorce with a ksuva. Tosas is just bringing down halacha la does no longer applies anywhere. I will say, just in the one minute I have, we're going to start with for today, in one minute I had, I wanted to go back, I, I didn't mention something very beautiful on yesterday's app because he ran out of time also, as we're about to now. I will say, if you remember again, the last Mishnah, the last Mishnah that we ended off with in yesterday's daf was a fascinating case of Misha Halach Limedina Sayam 
va'avda derech. I remember again the case of someone goes overseas, right? He had a rite of passage to his field in the middle, but then the rite of passage, he lost the rite of passage. Let's say, I saw a magnificent idea by Rabbi Nachman, Lekuti Alochus. And Rabbi Nachman says like this, there's a beautiful ashkaf on that. Sometimes in life, Misha Halach Lamedina Sayan. I both say, you know what happens? Sometimes in life, we check out. We check out. We just check out. You know, I'm not attentive enough to my Ruchnius. I'm not attentive enough to, to my spiritual needs. And it's almost as if I'm on vacation. And what happens ultimately, again, when you're on vacation? Of the derech. What happens when you check out from your ruchnius for too long? You lose your way. You lose your way. But I will say, what's the whole point of the Mishnah? Even if you lose your way in life, you can always reclaim it. Is it easy? Is it easy? <laughs> Absolutely not. And sometimes there's a high cost. Sometimes there's a high cost to pay. But Lamaisa, Lamaisa, even if you lose your way, even if you spend too much time with Dinas Haderech, there's always a way back to our Kaddish Barakul. There's always a way back to ourselves.